0: Welcome to Conversations from the Edge with Service Logic, your educational podcast where we discuss the ins and outs of the HVAC and mechanical service industry. Find out how we can help you increase efficiency and how we deliver excellent service in the real world.
1: Welcome to Conversations from the Edge by Service Logic. I'm your host, Sean Heath. Today I have the privilege of having a conversation with Josh Zolan, the CEO of Windy City Equipment Service and author of Blue is the New White. Hi, Josh. How are you today? Good, Sean. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you for asking. And my other guest is my close friend, Greg Crumpton, Vice President at ServiceLogic. Greg, how are you, man?
0: I'm doing really well. I'm, I'm uh, excited to kick off a new week and uh, just got a lot of stuff on my brain, especially around skilled trades and customer service. So excited to uh, kick it off.
1: And I want to start off today talking about the exchange you and I just had. Personal, we know a little bit about each other, and that changes the tone and the way that we communicate. Those soft skills are so important in every industry, but possibly even more so in the skilled trades. So the first question I have for you today is, tradesmen are often stereotyped as like gruff workmen, why don't more people recognize the overwhelming soft skills that these tradesmen possess?
0: You know, we've talked about this a couple of times, Sean, and and it's so weird that we have that uh, stigma. I I think it's a stigma that we as a a nation have, and, and probably even consumers in general have, that skilled tradesmen are just brutal workers and, and like, you know, big, heavy, strong and and grunting kind of people. But it, it's so important. And, and it, Josh being in, in the business like I am and have been for many years, it's just about communication, describing to the customer, describing to your coworkers what you're up against and what you're going to do to resolve the challenge that's looking at you. And, um, it's just, it's just a huge piece of the
1: puzzle. And soft skills can be learned and honed just like any other skill, right, Josh?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, to Greg's point, he, he's absolutely right. You know, it's easy to, uh, perceive something from somebody who walks into your restaurant or your place of business. Um, you know, and, and a lot of times they, these guys get dirty, you know, and, and they're big guys. They, they like to swing wrenches and hammers and, You know, so it's it's a little bit hard sometimes to break past that, uh, you know, but at at the root of it, at the heart of it all, uh, you know, these guys, they give you the shirt off their back if they could.
1: A situation where a tradesman is interfacing with a customer or a client is usually a very personal interaction. Uh, They're in your home, in your child's bedroom fixing a vent, or you're in their actual restaurant and they're giving you food that's going into your face. These are very... Delicate situations and the proper level of, of relationship and personal skills really can help ease a customer's anxiety. And that's ultimately the goal of a tradesman. You're, they're trying to solve a problem, and there's no reason to exacerbate the situation by making it feel awkward or uncomfortable. So, soft skills really are just as important as any wrench or other tool you could have in your toolkit.
0: Sean, I, I, would, I would say that soft skills and communication skills. I used to think they were like 50-50 versus a technical uh, prowess. But I really think that soft skills, the ability to put people at ease, and just overall EQ, as we would define it in, in this day and age, is superior. Because if a guy or a lady working on a piece of equipment doesn't know that particular piece of equipment overtly well... There's always the internet, or or to call Josh as your supervisor, or to call the factory, there's always help available on the technical side. But to be able to communicate that and to put the customer at ease, I think far outweighs the ability to read a meter or a set of gauges. That's
1: That's how I take it anyway. Let's talk about that mindset. What techniques or procedures do you think we need to put in place to help set up new tradespeople for long-term success?
0: When I hear Josh talk, I'm immediately taken back to, you know, 37 years ago when I started in the industry and I was given a roll of quarters for the payphone. So the payphone had just gone from a dime per call to a quarter and we had a pager. Uh, which was simply an electronic beeper, with no digital output, all the way through, you know, 37 years. Fast forward, and last week, uh, my coworker and I, Ryan Crawl, who who's our chief marketing officer at um, Service Logic, we were up at XOI's office in Nashville, and at, at the risk of making this a promo for XOI, and I will because <laughs> I, I I'm friends with the CEO and the founder, Aaron, we talked last week about things that we never would have you know, dreamed even five years ago, uh, to, to be quite honest, the ability to superimpose images and drawings, like taking a, an instrument and drawing on a screen from, from terminal number seven to terminal number 12. And showing a younger technician how to check for voltage between two terminals. And the technician on site is seeing this in real time. And he's being coached through this procedure by a more seasoned tech. That, that goes into a whole different realm of solving the skills gap. But yet, it doesn't fully you know, discredit the fact that the younger type's having to learn on the fly because financially we can't put two people together anymore in a van and make it work economically. So uh, it's just tremendous at at what we've done uh, in in a digital or in a technology way to enhance our delivery of services to the customer with fewer people available, more customers needing service, we're able to bridge that gap through technology. So that's that's really exciting to me.
1: Josh, with all of these advancements in technology, that's great. It increases the speed at which we can transmit these technical skills to the new tradesmen and women that come into the industry. But that doesn't solve the bigger, more pressing issue of getting these skilled tradespeople to come into the industry in the first place and you discuss that in your book
2: yeah absolutely and that's a uh that is a huge issue you know and that and that is something that uh, that we're battling every day um because just quite honestly you know these these kids for whatever reason you know aren't seeing a career in the trades as glamorous right and and uh, a, a lot of these kids want glam. You know, they want uh, they want to be those software engineers. They want to be those high-powered sales associates. You know, they want to see everything that is depicted on TV and you know in podcasts and everything else that they're paying attention to as the elite. Um, so unfortunately, the skilled trades uh, kind of fall by the wayside just because of the perception. You know that they have of everybody in the industry. Again, you know, a lot of it has to do, I think, with uh, with the way that they're depicted on TV or or whatnot, or, or just the way that they're seen in in real everyday life. You know, um, but it's about connecting to them on their level, I think, and and that's that's what we're all trying to do now. In in again this day and age, with the technology that's available you know, the, the responsibility falls on us, those inside the trades to bring to light, you know, what a career in the trades means and how many different trajectories are actually available. You know, you want to be that high powered sales associate. There's a place in, in the sales department for you. You know, you want to be, um, a manager, an entrepreneur, uh, you know, you want to travel, you want to do all this stuff that, uh, is, is available to you in the trades. They just, they, you know, they, just, they don't know about it. And, um, so, so that's kind of what we're up against. And, and, you know, that's one of the issues that I, like you said, try to address in the book. And, and, um, I think a good place to start is to educate the actual educators, uh, educate the parents, you know, those who grew up in an era where a college education was the only measure to true success. Um, changing their mindset so they can, in turn, uh, translate that to, to those that they influence, their kids and their students.
1: Now, I want to speak for Greg and myself right now because we are just a couple of years older than Josh, and Greg, you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm always a big fan of the definition of glam or glamorous, meaning that I can afford to pay my bills consistently, There's not a lot of ups and downs. There's a very steady line of income, and in Greg and I have talked about this before. In the trade skills, it's dependable. It's a very good way to earn a living, and it's incredibly consistent.
0: Yeah, you know that's probably more in line with how you and I think, Sean. Because I'm, I'm, and I'll go back to yesterday. Uh, I'm riding in a car with my in-laws and my wife, and then two girls, 12 and 10 years old. And one of the girls is really into interior design, which my wife is. And through gamification, this young lady showed my wife how to download an app where she could decorate this house. And my my wife's playing along really well because she you know she's she's pretty successful at what she does, but to see the passion that this young lady had for doing something that past times would be undoable without walking into a house uh, and and decorating, this girl was able to decorate a home and change colors and patterns and what have you, but I think. That whole gamification piece is is going to be important. So I, I was listening to a podcast this morning on the on the drive in, and Gen Xers are now the biggest percentage of the workforce. So the the podcast was, you know, old old geezers like me and you, Sean. You know, we're we're baby boomers and we're fading. Gen Xers are now the people who are having to figure out how to deal with Generation Z, who's just coming into the workforce. And a lot of that conversation was on gamification of learning. So it's going to be interesting to see how we can model other industries to see if gamification, which I think it can be uh, brought into the skilled trade. So that, that to me is going to be fun to watch.
1: One of the the key components of gamification is that it is a self-driven aspect. That is a key component in success, and that self-drive is also part of the nature of all successful tradespeople. What's the old uh, phrase? Nobody ever fell up a mountain. Josh, when you were doing the research for your book and getting together all of your thoughts, did you find that motivation was a key challenge for these new members of the workforce?
2: Um, yes and no. I mean, you know, with the with the research that I found, you know, the the new workforce, um, generation Zs, let's let's call them, you know, and they, they want to be challenged, you know, they, they really do. You know, there's a lot of, another stigma that goes around, right. Is that, uh, the, the, these coming generations are kind of, uh, work averse is like, is what I like to call it. Um, but it's just, it's, it's not true. You know, they're all, they're all willing to work and they want to work and, and they have, you know, self-motivating factors and, and their own disciplines that they follow, um, you know and again i think it goes back to just not knowing enough about the skilled trades and how they can achieve that within uh you know to them uh, i think that you know swinging a hammer or turning a wrench uh is basically the same challenge day in day out you know what's more what more is there to being a plumber than fixing a toilet all day long or fixing a sink you know they they don't they don't know what else goes into it they don't know what kind of learning, uh, comes from a, what kind of, uh, you know, advancement they can get by just devoting themselves, uh, you know, day in, day out to perfecting their craft. Um, you know, so I, I think it's just another area of the perception that we talk about that has to be brought to the forefront. Um, you know, because it's, you know, you take the proper steps. And I was just having a conversation with, uh, with somebody the other day, um, about how, you know you can literally go from high school to an apprenticeship to uh you know a, a journeyman and then take that and and into any direction that you choose so you know if you want the challenge of entrepreneurship which i mean let's be honest this day and age entrepreneurship's on this pedestal right that's kind of i'd say that's what a lot of uh, a lot of kids and a lot of young people um Are striving to do there's it's just so mainstream now everybody wants to be an entrepreneur Uh, you know and and I think they all are beginning to understand the the work that's involved in in doing that Um, I just don't think that they see how the skilled
1: trades can take them there one of the things that you have to have and it's no longer just a goal but it's now pretty much a requirement to be successful is excellence excellence is something that just needs to be part of your day-to-day, and there are a lot of components that go into achieving and maintaining excellence, and one of those ties into a story that Greg was telling me about the value of something as simple as a lunch. Greg, can you tell me that story again?
0: Well, yeah, because I I was actually thinking of that earlier today. Um, So Josh, you you don't know this story, and some some of the listeners do, and some don't, but Many years ago, when I was a young guy, I was working with a a dear friend of mine who, you know, as we get older, becomes a dear friend. Back then, he was just a guy I hung out with and worked with. But Jeff Birch and I were working at WAGA uh, TV Studio, which was a CBS affiliate in Atlanta. And the the fellow we worked for, uh, our customer contact, was a great guy, although a bit stoic, but we always worked to to earn his smile or his, or his accolades. And his name was Gene Adams. And Gene was such a, a unique guy that, that Jeff and I just had this natural desire to please this guy for some reason. One day, we were heading out to lunch. And um, now, the truth be told... Neither one of Jeff nor I had any money, really. I mean, we might have had enough for, you know, to get a pack of crackers and a, and a soft drink at the store. But for some reason, my crazy self decided to ask Gene if we could get him something for lunch while we were out. And I remember I looked at Jeff and he had this bewildered look in his eye, like, what the heck are you doing? Anyway... Long story is that that luckily Gene did not want any lunch from these two goofy air conditioning guys that are working on his equipment but many many years later about 25 years later Jeff recanted this story to me that he still remembered that and and for him Jeff's 10 years older than I am uh he had served in the in the navy for for eight years before we met but regardless he thought it was ironic, I, I guess, at the time, but now understood that the, the EQ of, of me as a young guy was beginning to blossom, that I would even ask the customer if we could help him for lunch. And uh, so that that was kind of the, the story uh, that that I was telling Josh, which to this day, um, you know, it, it says a lot about one more step and everything we do uh, can really make you a, a, a a better-rounded person, and that would would kind of transcend to making you a better technician, or hopefully.
1: And I think the piece of information from that story that can apply to everything we've talked about today is: it is a human being's instinct to be social. That really is a key factor in helping you decide. Not if you want to go into a skilled trade, but which skilled trade you want to go into. Would you think that's a fair assessment? For everyone who
0: doesn't know a young lady in Canada, her name's Jamie McMillan. She runs a company that's called Kick-Ass Careers. And Jamie is a certified welder and a tower climber. I mean, she can climb you know, cell towers and paint or weld or hang gear or what have you. So I've been watching this young lady uh, for for three or four years. And we have become friends electronically, like Josh and I have become. She is creating such a buzz among young ladies for skilled trades that it's just crazy. So I I just want to be able to, to... I, I guess my point of this is to be able to communicate. You got to reach out and you got to bring people with you. Uh, but, but Jamie really does a, a great job of helping spread the word in non traditional formats. She has just been nominated for a, a, a seat with the Prime Minister of Canada to talk about skilled trades in the high schools
2: and middle schools.
1: Josh, is there one last point you want to throw in there before we wrap it up?
2: So we were talking about uh, basically helping people being instinctual, um, and I think you're you're absolutely right about that. You know, it, at our most primal level, we are very social creatures, and uh, um, you know, the skilled trades at the root of it is helping people. And I think that's going to be most important moving forward to resonate with uh, the coming generations because um, the the coming generations do seem to be uh, a, a lot more empathetic uh, than I thought that uh, that they would, and they they are very very intent on uh, you know the ability to make a difference, um, to change the world, to to help people, and and you know just. Be good humans, basically, um, you know, and and the skilled trades offers an opportunity to do that, albeit you know, uh, taken for granted almost every day. You know, I, I look around all the time, and and you can't throw a rock in this world without hitting something that's a result of the trades, um, and uh, so I think that if we can, you know, pull the wool back over. Uh, these young people's eyes to, to allow them to see that no matter what skill you or what trade you uh, you, you choose to pursue in the skill trades that you know you're going to be making a huge different a huge difference in the world uh, in people's lives in in the economy in in almost every area that you can think of.
1: Today on Conversations from the Edge it has been my pleasure to have a conversation with Josh Zoland CEO of Windy City Equipment Services and author of Blue is the New White and of course my friend Greg Crumpton Vice President at Service Logic. Gentlemen thank you so much for taking the time today. I really have enjoyed this.
0: Sean thanks for taking time with us. As we talked it's all about relations and the ability for Josh and I to come together remotely through electronics and share a passion for for what we do in helping skilled trades blossom, and, and then to have a platform that you host for us uh, is really, really special. So thanks for, uh, thanks for making it happen for us.
1: Well, it's my pleasure, and I definitely look forward to having a conversation with you both again. I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you both.
0: Thank you, sir.